I just want you to be yourself, like You ain't got a lot of kick it, my nigga, like You ain't got a lot of kick it, uh You just gotta get with it, you ain't gotta stress about that Good, what's good, everybody? Welcome to D Throughout Entertainment's The Drop, Season One, Episode Three of the Drop Podcast. And um, this is gonna be a special episode, being that it's Black History Month and everything. We're gonna dedicate this whole podcast to tremendous Black people throughout the history of the world, and it's just amazing, man, when you think about it. But uh, without further ado, it's your boy Daquan. You got stuff on. And I'm actually going to tell you guys a little story. So this is the second take of an entire <laughs> podcast because I made a rookie mistake that I don't hardly make. I had the microphone turned the wrong way in the when the studio booth thing, the little eyeball, the Kyotica eyeball. I had the mic turned the wrong way. So all our voice was muffled and stuff. And now we have to redo it. But <laughs> without further ado, let's get into talking about some of the great things that um black people have done and uh i'm gonna let you take it away first because then you do it last time first on the first take the, yeah 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 so, so uh i just want to you know being that we're talking about the most influential things um coming out of black history being that we're in black history month i see it only fitting to mention carter g wood woodson um who really kind of invented black history month by way of you know creating the black history week which is a which was a week to, you know, dedicate and celebrate all the things that black people have done up until that point in time. Um, it started off just one week because it was kind of, it was the week where, <laughs> where Abraham Lincoln's birthday, which was on the 12th and the day that Frederick Douglass celebrated his birthday, which was the 14th was on. Uh, and the reason why I say celebrated his birthday is because Frederick Douglass actually never knew his real birthday. He didn't know how old he was, which makes sense because he was a slave who eventually became free. But and um, they weren't really taught to read and exactly. that other stuff. Exactly. But during that time, um, during that that one week, it was like a a time for everybody to you know to just celebrate everything that they've done. And later on in the future, one of been expanded into a whole month. So that's something good right there. But I want to take it back. Um, to the NAACP when it was first started, co-founded by Ida B. Wells um, and the likes of W.E.B. Du Bois and a lot of other people. But I really want to focus in on them real quick and talking about their contributions Um, as far as um, Ida B. Wells. Of course, I'm going to go ahead and start off by talking about her because of the things that she's done as far as journalism goes, which is awesome. And then the fact that she's an intersectional feminist. Um, which talks about the things that she goes through with, of course, being an African-American and being a woman. Um, but I really want to pinpoint the things that she's done as a journalist, um, especially like putting her life on the line and being threatened daily by putting by basically displaying the hate crimes and stuff going on in America, especially with lynching, the huge epidemic going on with lynching that she decided to document. And even got to a point where some of her friends were being killed, but she didn't let that stop her. And of course, that has like a big influence on some of the stuff that we even see today with the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, with something as simple as people taking out their phones, recording police whenever brutality is taking place. So she's really has some great influence there as well. Um, and then of course, Harriet Tubman, you can't forget about Harriet Tubman. I know I'm going backwards kind of in history, but it's fine. Yeah. With Harriet Tubman, man, you got to just acknowledge everything she's done for this country, man. Um, uh, especially. The fact that she's freed over 300 slaves with no casualties, which is awesome. She took a 90 mile trip from Maryland to Philadelphia just to become free. And then, on foot? 
On foot. I mean, who give a fuck? There weren't even cars back then. Man, we hate walking downstairs now. I hate walking to the library right now, and that ain't even a ten minute walk. <laughs> but she, this lady, took ninety miles all the way up to Philadelphia to become free to go back down to Maryland to help save some of her friends to go back to Philadelphia. And this is an ongoing thing. It just kept happening until the the fugitive, um, what's it called, the fugitive slave law. Yes, which took place. But basically said. If you were a free slave and you flee your state, if you were caught in a different state other than the one that you were fleet that you fleed from, um, the people and the the police in that state could take you back to the state that you flee from, and you can basically become a slave again or be arrested. But when that happened, they decided to change the route, and it basically ended in Canada because at that point in Canada, well, yeah, in Canada there was like really no slavery or anything going on at that time. So they kind of changed the route, which is, which made it longer, which is even more of an incredible feat. And man, they robbed her so much, man, that they basically brought her on <laughs> when it came to the civil war. She was a nurse helping not only black people, but she helped heal some white people as well. Well, anybody that was fighting for the union at that time, which of course it won't all black people, but of course. she, mm-hmm. um, of course she helped with that. And then of course, like, so her death, you know, she died of pneumonia, which is real sad, but they even yeah. buried her with military honor. So that just shows you how much stuff that she did for her time. And it was a, it was a quote, like I said, like I was saying earlier, I don't really know, like, if it's authentic, but I don't know if we could really know if any of these quotes from any of, like, any of these little quotes, well, it's, it's not a little quote, but any of these secondhand source quotes mm-hmm. are, like, authentic. But it was once said where she said, I freed a thousand slaves. And I could have freed a thousand more if they actually knew they were slaves. Mm. And that speaks a lot to the mindset that people had back then being in slavery. Like, I don't think a lot of people really realize the full depths that slavery had. Like, you wasn't just physically shackled down. It was your mind, too. Oh, yeah. It's a whole mindset. It starts with the mind. And that's, yes, it starts with the mind. Like, everything starts with your mind. When you become a slave mentally, it's, it's... It's nothing you could do. You're already a slave physically the moment you become a slave mentally. And the thing that they went through back then, it's it's just astonishing how they persevered through. And, you know, that's part of our history as black people. And I think that's something that we could be very proud of. And also about all the obstacles that we had to overcome to catch up and to get where we are right now. And, of course, we're not done. We're going to keep climbing up because that's just what we do. Black excellence. But one thing I want to point out that's very important is I think it's important that you know your history. You have to know your history because if you don't know your history, you won't know yourself. And if you don't know yourself, then you're lost, basically. And (laughs) one thing I want to also point out is that you shouldn't forget your history because if you forget your history, then you forget all the lessons that were learned along the way. And the last thing I would just like to point out or indicate is that You need to be proud of who you are. Like, I understand that it's a lot of things that come with being an African-American or having darker skin. But think about all the greatness that has came from African-Americans, from black people. Think of all the things that your ancestors has overcome and think of all the things that you yourself can or have already overcome. It's no limits to what you should do, what you can do. But I'm going to get on to what I was talking about earlier, and that was some of the amazing inventions that African-Americans and black people in general have had for us in society as a whole. Now, I'm going to start off with the automatic gear shift. We all know how important that is. 
Then we got the America's first clock. We got the automatic elevator doors. We got the blimp. We got the blood bank. And we all know that's major because so many lives are saved a year from the blood bank. It's big one step, of the big step in the right direction there. Big step. Shout out to doctors, Dr. Charles, Charles Drew. Drew. Um, clothes dryers, dust pans, electric lamps, folding chairs, gas heating furnace, gas mask, golf tee, home system security, ice cream scooper. And I'm a sweet tooth fan, so I love the ice cream scooper. Ironing board, lawnmowers, lawn sprinklers, mailboxes, modern locks, modern toilets, mops, pacemakers, which is for your heart, portable pencil sharpeners, potato chips, reversible baby strollers, super soakers, suspenders, thermostats and temperature controls, touch tone telephone, and of course, we all know how important the traffic light is. (laughs) These are just a few I named 30, but it's many, many more inventions that African-Americans and black people in general have contributed to. And also, I want to point out from a music standpoint, all the genres that black people created. Let's start off with rock and roll, which actually incorporates all African-American music genres into one. Country music. When you think about country music, early stages especially, you remember a lot of banjos, fiddles, and harmonicas. Those are all things that are prevalent or predominantly is African-American culture itself. Negro spirituals, which later led the way to gospel, rumba, blues, jazz, salsa, samba, R&B, soul, funk, dub reggae, house, hip-hop. And it's like the list kept going, honestly. I just couldn't copy all of it down. The salsa, it was Afro-Cuban, which is still African, still black. And, I mean, that's amazing. I'm pretty sure about... All the music that wasn't <laughs> classical was invented by black people or heavily influenced by black people. And that's amazing. And back to his point earlier where he was talking about the influential African-Americans throughout history. I want to point out a lady that doesn't get the credit that she deserves. But what she did for us as a people was outstanding. And I'm going to read you an excerpt on her. Her name is Ella Baker. Um, And it starts off this way. Proof that visibility is not necessarily to make an impact. Ella Baker is one of history's lesser known civil rights heroes, yet one of the most important. If Martin Luther King Jr. was the head of the civil rights movement, Ella Baker was his backbone. Born on December 13, 1903 in Norfolk, Virginia and raised in North Carolina. Baker cultivated her passion and desire for social justice at a young age. Her grandmother, who was once a slave, once told her a story of being whipped for refusing to marry a man of her slave owner's choosing, fueling Baker's desire for systematic change and justice for her people. In the 1940s, she developed a grassroots approach as the NAACP field secretary to gather and convince black people of the group's message, a vision that holds true today. That a society of individuals can and should exist without discrimination based on race. In 1957, Baker moved to Atlanta and helped King form the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, Martin Luther King, through which she facilitated protests, built campaigns, and ran a voter registration campaign called the Crusade for Citizenship. Baker did grow frustrated at the lack of gender equality within the group and came close to quitting in the 1960s. But then on February 1st, Four black college students sat at a lunch counter at Woolworths in Greensboro, North Carolina. After being denied service, they were asked to leave. Instead, they refused to leave and a movement was born. She graduated from Shaw University in Raleigh. I think that's pretty dope. Oh, yeah. And one thing about her, she inspired 
she inspired the well, actually, she laid the frame for the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, the SCNCC. The SCNCC became one of the most important organizations in American civil rights history because of its commitment to effecting change through freedom rise and its particular emphasis on the importance of voting rights for African Americans. Baker earned the nickname Fundy, which is Swahili for a person who teaches a craft to the next generation. As a dedicated change agent, Baker taught young people that their spirit was essential to the movement. As long as they had the audacity to dream of a better, equal, and brighter tomorrow, through the means of relentless, peaceful protest and endurance, a fair society awaited them. Unfortunately, she died January 13, 1986, after a long life on her 83rd birthday. And just heads off to her, someone that doesn't get a lot of, well, doesn't get a lot of or enough credit for what she has done for African Americans and black people in general. So we should all just try to keep her in our mind, along with the Martin Luther Kings, the Rosa Parks, the Malcolm X's of the world. All of them played a huge role. And we also need to just think about everybody, honestly, that has contributed in some way, shape or form of us progressing as a people. But we know that we're going to keep progressing, of course. And um, it was something I said in the other um, podcast that I, I feel like I'm leaving out. Um, do you have anything else you want to say? Yeah, while you think of that, I'm going to ask you a question. <laughs> Do you have a favorite? I mean, I know, of course, when you get down this tricky road because, you know, there's just so many names to pick from and all of them feel like, you know, that they've contributed in an equal amount. But do you have a favorite person in black history? Um, So, outside of activism? I mean, any in any black history aspect. Um, Excuse me one second. Yeah. So, yes, I do, actually. And, you know, first off, foremost, I want to say this. I love everything that every single activist has done. I love everything that everybody that has pushed us forward has done. And I'm eternally grateful because without these people, I wouldn't be in the position I am right now today. We won't even be talking to nobody right now. We won't be talking to nobody right now, probably. But um, I would say personally, for personal reasons, my favorite. Well, besides my parents, of course, because I. that's like that's number one, of course. But um, outside of parents, family, friends, I would say one of the people that I admire the most as an African-American is Michael Jackson, because mm-hmm. he's my favorite artist of all time. And I love like people don't understand, like growing up, all my iPod head on it was Michael Jackson. <laughs> I probably listened to every single one of his songs at least a thousand times. What he's done for. Music in general, especially being an African-American, he's broke barriers like every single record, major records. They I'm pretty sure they belong to Michael Jackson. Thriller sold the most album was the best selling album worldwide. Think about that for a second. Not in the United States, not in Canada, not in China, the whole world, every place on this planet. Best selling album. And you check his certifications. I think he went 33 times, platinum one time, diamond a couple times. It's just insane. And another thing that I want to point out, like, I don't mean to jump ship like this off of the question you just asked. But um, one thing, thinking about it, because we did take like a little break here cause just to gather thoughts and stuff. But um, when you think about Africa, because in my African-American studies class, we've actually talked about the dangers of a single story, which is basically seeing something from one angle and one angle only that's being presented to you. So when 
we when we were growing up, I know that I've seen it all the time on TV. I'm sure you have as well. Oh, yeah. And you already know what I'm about to talk about. Oh, yeah. Um, you seen the picture, well, the video of the ad asking for support to help out the poor, starving African children. Well, you seen African children in Africa with dirty water, starving, look very sick and ill. And you see that image when you're a kid, especially. And it just sticks with you. It's like, wow, is this what Africa is like? This desolate wasteland? And you know, growing up in America, not trying to sound controversial or nothing. I'm just telling you what it is. You tend to learn a lot about American history. Mm-hmm. And being that history, like every country is going to sell their own rendition of history, especially Western countries with European influence. They have their own version of history about it's going to make them look good. But the thing is, we didn't really learn about African history like that at all, did we? Like growing uh-huh. up. Now that I think about it, I don't remember an instance during like my grade school, middle school, high school years where we actually had a class course or even a week to talk about African history. Now, of course, during Black History Month, we've talked some about African American history. Yeah, African American Martin Luther King. That but just straight it. up like African history, like taking it all the way back to the continent of Africa, I don't remember at all in my youth learning about that until I got to college. And in, in like your opinion, how how much good content have you seen growing up as a kid to right now? Well, I wouldn't say right now. You've been exposed to more stuff now, mm-hmm. obviously. But while you was in school, like elementary, middle, high school even, how much good content did you really see about Africa to make it seem like a place you would want to visit? Not much, but of course... T- Things have changed um, with my vision, of course, because, yes. you know, become educated. Once you know things, you know better. You yes. know The great Maya Angelou once said, uh, when you know better, you do better. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, but. But that's because, like, we weren't taught those things. We didn't know. The only thing, going back to what, we, what you talked about earlier, the only thing that we would see on the TVs would be the hungry kids, right? Yes. And, of course, like I told you earlier, most of that stuff was just photos and videos of um conflict areas and war zones and of course they have that stuff representing an entire continent the continent of africa is the biggest landmass on this continent and we go to really the worst parts 190th one one hundredth of this continent this small little these small little areas and they let that be the picture for Bro, the entire thing. they straight thing. up shot a lot of film in that one little area, too. Well, I mean, it was more than just one area because there were several well, different wars going the, on. But those yeah, small areas. Those small areas. Yeah. But, I mean, all they needed was like one or two to get Imagine, Imagine if someone came to America, took the very, very, very worst and kept showing it over and over to everybody across the different countries and stuff. How would you view America if all you seen was the worst part of it? It can't be good if all you see is the worst <laughs> part of it. But, and another thing I was talking about is Egypt and Africa. Now, what you will learn about, if especially if you're religious, is how great Egypt was mm-hmm. and how amazing they were as a people. And even, you will even find out about, um, I think in history class, yeah, history class would talk to you about Egypt and about how they designed all these fancy pyramids and how they had a form of battery back in the day. But they never highlighted the fact that Egypt is in Africa. And it just, it kind of blows me sometimes because now I think about it. There has been whole movies made about Egypt with predominantly Af- well, non-African American actors, non-African actors. 
it would be Caucasians in a movie about Egypt as pharaohs. You will see about 20 Caucasians and maybe one dark-skinned person the whole movie. Even the depictions that I would see of Egyptians in like my social studies books in high school would be of people of fairer color, like of a lighter angle, say fairer, but people yes. of a lighter color, like very light, you very bright. You wouldn't see nobody dark. No, not at all. And going back to the point that I made earlier, that's why it's important to know your history yourself. If you don't know it, living outside of your own native country, you probably won't learn much about your history, just being honest with you, especially being an African-American or African of that descent. And it was one more point that I wanted to highlight, and that's uh, we always talk about how great Rome was and Greek was <laughs> when actually... Greek and Romans like idolized the concepts and the technology and the innovations that African people made from Africa. They idolized the place. They were amazed by it. And you never hear about that. You only hear about the negative parts. But like I said, make sure you know your history. That's that's one of the big, big takeaways I want you to get from this podcast. Mansa Musa. <laughs> Like Masa and the Mali kingdom, the Mali Empire, like was one of the wealthiest kingdoms, like in the world, and all of that is just Africa. But you would never know that unless you actually took the time to look it up for yourself. And like I said, make sure you know your history. But another thing, I know I said that a lot, but that's it's a key point. And well, I mean, that's something that they really need to hear because even going back to the Carter G. Woodson that, like we talked about earlier, like. The preservation of your history is key because, I mean, you think about like Native Americans nearly wiped out because they didn't preserve their history. And that's that's basically what's going to happen if you don't preserve your history. If you don't know your history and you don't teach it to others, especially people of your descent, then the future is going to be very bleak. And to just that 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 whole concept. It could harper back to when we was kids growing up. Yeah. What did we see on TV about Africa? Exactly. If you don't recycle or know your history, anybody could tell you about your history. And <laughs> now, that's just that's just a life lesson. Now I just got a question, um, similar to what I asked earlier on um, in, in the other podcast that we recorded. Yeah. Where would this country be right now? Like, think of life doing your everyday things without all of the inventions that black people have invented it will be a very a very a very basic country a place where i would not want to live at at all (laughs) but this podcast is getting kind of long so we're gonna leave you guys on this note this is black history month but in the words of kanye west he said i make black history every day i don't need a month now we can keep our month now of course but remember that for your daily lives every single day You can make black history every day by what you do, your choices. And I hope you guys be great. Until next podcast, see ya. I just want you to be yourself. Like, you ain't got a lot of kick it, my nigga. Like, you ain't got a lot of kick it, uh. You just gotta get with it. You ain't gotta stress about that.